Villas Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know Him, to grow in Him, to go with Him. Again, welcome to Villas Grace. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, As Matt allows me to preach every once in a while, I'm grateful for that. Uh, You guys have a really good preacher and one that's kind of okay. I'll let you figure out who it is. <laughs> but as we continue in our series in first, the letter of First Peter, it's all about the future. We have a God that's not so concerned with our past. He is way more concerned about our future. The problem of evil. If God is all powerful, he cannot be all good. If he is all good, he cannot be all powerful. This was a quote from a movie. This was Batman versus Superman. I don't know if you saw it. It was pretty decent. It was okay. But this is the villain Lex Luthor. And before the climatic, climactic scene, the battle scene, you know how the cheesy part where the villain kind of gives everything away, why he's doing everything? Well, it was kind of this part. And he's talking to Superman And he's telling Superman that everybody kind of worships him like he's a god. But Lex Luthor has it all figured out. He said, I know from personal past experiences in my life and the evil that I had to endure that there is no such thing as a god. He says, if God is all powerful and I have to experience evil, why doesn't he stop it? If God is all good, He can't be all-powerful because he should stop it. You see, it's a grave misunderstanding of who God is. And obviously, he doesn't understand sin and the consequences of sin. Um, It's really funny to me because um, there was this little thing called the fall. The fall of mankind. You know, there was a time when things were perfect. There was a time where an evil did not exist on this planet. There was a time, you know, almost like in a garden, garden setting, if you remember that, where everything was absolutely perfect. People didn't have to endure the sufferings at all. But then mankind decided they wanted to know about evil. God told them, do not eat of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they did it anyway ushering in sin and suffering and the consequence for sin. It was like a shockwave went throughout uh, the history of time, affecting creation, affecting relationships, affecting every single thing. Sin went out. So I guess Lex kind of forgot about that one. You see, another thing is a problem is that The problem of evil isn't really a problem for the Christian because we understand why it's here. The problem of evil is actually a really big issue for the non-believer. When they cry evil, something is evil, they are making an absolute moral claim. How could there be absolute morals if there's not an absolute moral law giver? You could look at it this way. Well, you know, a lot, of, a lot of us do enjoy football or any other sport where there's a ref and there's rules to the game. 
But think about it even in a football game. The receiver goes out to catch a pass. The guy guarding him either pulls on his jersey or grabs his arm. What's the first thing he does? He look, looks at the ref and goes, throw the flag. The guy was grabbing me. Throw the flag. You know, probably half the bench is standing up. That's a foul. That's a foul. What they're doing is they're evoking a universal law that everybody on the field knows they have to abide by, and they're evoking to the power to enforce that. So here, Lex, in this movie, while it sounds good, it sounds logical, what he's doing is that he's evoking a universal law that evil is wrong, and he's evoking the lawgiver. See, so as believers, we know, we know why evil and suffering exists. Because that's, it's, it's something that we um, experience every day. So it's not an issue for us. In fact, in Peter, 1 Peter, he, he brings it up multiple times. Um, I think Matt preached two sermons uh, in this series on, you know, pain and suffering and dealing with trials. I know I, I've done one. So Peter dealt with it a lot. You have to understand that the people Peter was writing to suffered a lot. They were Jews that became Christians, so they were persecuted by many times their own family and friends. And then they moved out into Gentile lands where, again, they faced persecution. Persecution, trials, and suffering was, was a, had a huge impact on converts uh, during those times. So Peter spent a lot of time discussing it why Christians suffer, how they, how they should react to it. It was talked about in almost every Peter, uh, chapter in Peter. So today's title is, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? It's a question a lot of people ask. Why is it? Why is it that bad things happen to good people? We'll be in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 19. Uh, the verses will be up on the screens if you don't have your Bible with you this morning. But let's go ahead and start and read that. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit and glory of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Those meddlers. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if righteousness is scarcely saved, if, if, if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. If we were to take all those verses and, and put them into one big idea, it would be when we suffer as God's children, we can trust in God and bring him glory. When we suffer as God's children, we can trust in him and bring God glory. Let's break that down and see why that's true. 
starting in verse 12. Peter starts out, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. I read that uh, this week a couple times, and it was funny. It like hit me really hard. Uh, my other job, I uh, repair spray equipment, and sometimes it gets pretty technical. But I, I just thought it was so funny because sometimes I'll get a machine in, and I'll diagnose it, and I'll be like, oh, I know what's wrong with it. I'll get the part. I'll put it in. I'll be like, all right, that's done. I'll go to test it, and it doesn't work. And I'm like, what? I fixed it. I fixed the problem. I know what's wrong. Why is it not fixed? And then I'll go and diagnose it again and, and try to figure it out. And you know what? Some things are just like that. But it struck me. I'm like, people are bringing their stuff to me because it's broke and it has problems. And here I'm complaining that it has a problem. So Peter writes, do not be surprised as fiery trials when they come upon us. Listen, how many of us right now has a perfect life where nothing bad ever happens? Right? So it happens all the time. Why do we get so like, oh my gosh, I can't believe something bad happened today. It should become so common because you know what? Bad stuff happens from mildly to annoying to, you know, very, very bad. We have to deal with these things. It's, it's, it's so funny because I don't ever remember reading anywhere in the Bible where it says your life's going to be perfect now because you believe in Christ. Can anybody tell me where that is? I mean, I know there's some pastors that preach this thing called the prosperity gospel. And if you just have enough faith, you won't ever get sick again. You'll have money. Um, you'll probably be better looking. I, I'll be taller. It's really great stuff. Y'all, that's fake news. The prosperity gospel is fake news and it's destructive. Jesus said, you will have troubles and tribulations in this life. He said, you know what? The world's probably going to hate you because it hated me first. We should not be surprised when we face these trials. Um, he goes on to say in, in verse 13, though, don't be surprised that we're going to be facing these things. And then he starts to say something like, but rejoice. Okay, so we should rejoice, rejoice in suffering and trials. Why is he saying this? He says, but rejoice insofar as Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. We take part sometimes in Christ's sufferings. Christ's sufferings produces Christ's glory. Think about that. His suffering produces glory. One day he's coming back in glory. And as we were reminded to start this off, God is a God of futures. That's what we're looking forward to. Our present sufferings are going to be nothing compared to the glory we get to uh, be a part of when Christ returns. Amen? Amen? The second thing he says here is rejoice when you're insulted for the name of Christ. You're blessed. Um, back then, uh, as I was talking about these people group, they were actually referred to as the way commonly or the followers of the way. It was a derogatory term. It was someone calling, the, oh, you're a follower of the way. Like, you know, I, I guess you were foolish or maybe, you know, they didn't, you know, they were saying something wrong. It's, it's funny when you think about it because it, if someone said, hey, Matt, you're like a little Jesus. Is that insulting to you? No, that should be 
we should be honored to be called that. Now, of course, back then it was a derogatory term, but he's saying even when we're being insulted in the name of Christ, we should consider ourselves blessed because that means that we're exactly where God has us. We're doing the exact thing that God is ha having us do. The third thing he says, if we go back up to verse 12, he says, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. So wait a minute. God tests us through trials sometimes? Huh, that's weird. I saw this quote uh, this week. Uh, it was, it's from Toby Mac. He's a singer of DC Talk and went on to do some other things. Um, but a really strong Christian guy. And he says, we sometimes ask God to change our circumstances, not knowing he put us in the situation to change us. I mean, how important is that to remember? Because again, as humans, as sinful creatures, we like to be comfortable. We don't like when things go wrong. We want everything to go our way. So sometimes we're asking God, please remove this situation from me or please do something to change this situation. I, I can't take this anymore. It's driving me nuts. And he's up there going, I know, just wait. Just wait, because I'm gonna wait until it's, you see why you are in that situation and then maybe it won't drive you nuts anymore. But that brings us to our first point. It's, there it is. That thing's touchy. Suffering is a part of being a Christian, and it should be seen as an opportunity to grow and to glorify God. I know it's hard. These are very hard teachings. Sometimes we're in stuff that is so miserable and so unbelie unbelievably hard but we need, if we look at it that way, that suffering is going to be a part of Christianity, being a Christian, being a human, it's not going to surprise us. It takes the sting out of it. And to try to look at it in a way that it's an opportunity to grow and to glorify God. He goes on next in first, verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in, in that name. He starts off this, don't, don't, don't suffer because you are um, you know, doing something bad. You're an evildoer, you're a meddler. Basically what he's saying, life's hard enough. Why are you shooting yourself in the foot? There's already so many things in life that are going to be so difficult. Why are you doing stuff that you know is wrong that is going to destroy your life? See, when we suffer for doing good, it kind of allows us to, you know, glorify God and we're kind of in the moment and, and it feels good. But when we suffer because it's self-inflicted, that's tough doesn't feel like there's a lot of purpose in that. It doesn't feel like there's a lot of comfort in that. It's, we basically get to sit there and just feel like, why did I do that? Why did I make that mistake? We shouldn't be doing stuff that's, that's going to thwart what God has planned us to do. See, like I was saying, it could be comfortable at times. Remember, even when you're suffering, you're in God's will. But as Peter says, be clear, there is very little comfort in suffering because we know it's self-inflicted. He goes on in verse 17. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. 
And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And he goes on to say, and if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the godly and the ungodly and the sinner? He talks about judgment there. For it's time for judgment to begin in the church, is what he's saying to these people. See, judgment is a hard thing. We don't, the New Testament God, we like to think of as, oh, he's loving, he's caring. There's no lightning bolts coming down from heaven to zap people. And, and it is true, we are in a different age of the church where this happens, but there is judgment to these days. Now, it's kind of woven into the fabric of, of, of our reality in consequences, right? So if you do something, if you're a liar, People aren't going to believe you. That's the consequence. If you're a thief and you steal stuff, you're either going to, you know, people aren't going to trust you or you're going to go to jail. There's going to be a natural consequence. So if you think about it, natural consequences happen as kind of part as God's judgment on bad behavior these days. If a spouse cheats on a wife, it destroys families. That's, that's what happens. So God's judgment is kind of sown into the fabric of life. But he says judgment begins with us, the church. Why? Because we should know better. Amen? We should be the example. If we're expecting, you know, this unsaved world to look at us and go, they're a little bit different. There's something about them. You know, when they go through trials, you know, they don't freak out. You know, they're not bogged down with a lot of sin in their lives. And what they, when they do, they, they want to try to fix it. We, we should know that that judgment should begin with us. And if you think about it too, as Christians, we've kind of already faced the judgment. Now, follow me here. When I became a Christian, I had to recognize that I am a sinner completely lost in my sin. I had no hope and I needed a savior. However, because God is just and justice will be done, he poured out his wrath and his judgment upon Jesus. So when I accepted him as my savior, all that wrath and judgment was poured out because justice had to be served, but somebody took my place. So we should know a lot about judgment and we should know a lot about the effect and the consequence of sin. But now we get to be judged as part of the family of God. When God looks at us, he looks at us covered in the blood of his son the atoning blood, so that we're not seen as sinners, we're seen as the saved. But not so for the unbeliever. It says, so if we have to face fiery trials, suffering, and correction from God, how terrible it will be for the unbeliever. What's going to become of them? And that brings us to this point. When God judges Christians through consequence, it's his tough love. But for the unbeliever, it's a small taste of his wrath to come. We get to face the consequences of life with our loving father correcting us. As unbelievers experience, they have no hope of the future. 
And that reminds us, when we suffer as God's children, we can trust in God and we can bring him glory. Finally, Peter ends with this. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. We have a father in heaven who absolutely loves us. Sometimes he allows circumstances that are really difficult in our lives. Um, I'll share something with you uh, this morning. Um, before I was saved, um, my wife married an unbeliever. So before I was saved, we were married for about seven years, and finally she said, I had enough. Completely had enough. Now, I loved my family. I especially loved my children. I loved being a father. I loved all of that. But my wife said, I'm not going to raise my children if you are going to be a heathen. I found myself kicked out of the house. My marriage of seven years was over. And I just remember sleeping in the extra bedroom of my best friend's house at the time, and this smoke detector kept beeping. And it was so annoying, it just kept beeping. And I'm like, wide awake, so I said, maybe I'll start talking to God. And it was really strange in that moment, I realized, because I kind of had this belief in God, but I didn't really know who he was. And God and I came to an understanding where he said, Jared, if you just listen to me, I'll have to stop hitting you over the head with this two by four. Look at, look at what you're giving up. Look at what you're losing. All I'm asking you to do is to test if what I'm saying is true. So the next day, I, I, I went back to the house and I talked to Heather. And it was funny, she had her own moment with God where God said, listen, don't kick this fool out of the house. Give him one more chance, which I was so grateful for. And here we are today. This next May will be our 25th uh, anniversary. So we don't wonder why bad things happen to good people, especially in the church. You know why? Because there is no one good. We don't deserve the goodness and the good things of God, but he gives them to us every day. Think about it, the love of your family, you get to enjoy good food, even the most uh, angry heathen out there that's cursing God right now gets to feel the nice warmth of the sun on his face. We have such a good father and he is so loving and cares about us so much that he pours out his love even on the angry sinner. So we don't wonder why that happens. Uh, and, and, and as this says, we can entrust God with our souls because he is always faithful. So we know no matter what, we know we can trust God and his plans because he alone is faithful. This reminded me of a story. I have a really good friend who's a pastor up in New York. In fact, there was one time, at one point, I was actually looking to go take over this church on Long Island, and I said, I prayed to God, and he said, no way. So 
I told one of my friends about it, and he goes, you know what, I think that would fit perfectly for, you know, where we're heading, and he's still the pastor there today. That was about 10 years ago, but he has a friend who's a pastor on the island of Malta. Now, Malta is about 60 miles south of Italy in the Mediterranean Sea, and it's also the biblical island that Paul got shipwrecked on when he was on his way to, to Rome. So there's a lot of history. Now, Malta is a small island, and it's very mountainous. It has a lot of cliffs and stuff like that. So his friend who's a pastor there is also a missionary. He moved his entire family over there. Um, one day, his family was out. He was off doing work and he was doing some ministry and his family was kind of out and about and, and they were climbing around on the cliffs and I believe it was his teenage son fell. He fell off this cliff. Um, it was from a height that was just too high for him to survive. He was pronounced dead at the scene. So as the village came out and, and you know, help arrived and everybody tried to do what they could, they just knew it was, it was for naught. He was gone. So as they all gathered around there, the pastor who, who was off doing something came and realized the situation. According to my friend, uh, Pastor Martin, uh, the pastor came and he scooped up his son in his arms and just began to weep. I could not imagine the pain that he might have been feeling at that moment, having children myself. But then he did something that was completely unexpected. He began to praise God. He began to cry out to God and saying, God, thank you so much for the years that you've given me with my son. Thank you that we are Christians and we're a Christian family and that we know you. And that we have the hope of being together in heaven again forever. Thank you for sacrificing your son on the cross so that this is all possible. And he just began to praise God in heaven for his dead son. I could not even imagine how he was able to do that. You know, and, and I wish I could say that, you know, oh, everybody there got saved. It was awesome. Everybody was like, that, you know, that's it. Holy Spirit took over. Everybody got saved. I don't know. I don't know who got saved. But I can promise you this. Every single person that was a part of that was affected for the rest of their lives. I just couldn't imagine how hard that would be as we close. See, when we have a proper view of suffering and who God is, we can grow in him and bring him glory. We're reminded. Maybe. Ah, I'll just read it. That went haywire. Suffering is a part of being a Christian. So let me, let me tell you, church, what is some difficulty in your life right now that you're dealing with that God is trying to grow you through? There's, and remember, there's very little comfort in sin that, that we cause the suffering with. Maybe what you're going through right now is it has something to do with, with, with just this little sin that keeps nagging you and dragging you down or, you know, stopping you from getting to where God wants you to go. Pray to God and ask him 
to change that. We remember when God judges Christians through consequence, it's his tough love. Sometimes we need tough love. I have a thick skull. Sometimes I need God's tough love so that he can change me. And no matter what we know, we can trust in God and his plans because he alone is faithful. When we suffer as God's children, we can trust in God and bring him glory. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, help us to see everything that happens through the truth of your word. Help us to understand when we are faced with trials or suffering, how to use them to bring you glory, no matter how hurt we are. Help us when we are suffering just to rest in your comfort of your love and remember who you are, that you are always faithful and you are always in control. If there's someone here today that does not know you personally, I pray that you would reveal your truth to them so that they too may be saved. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com.